0: Okay, I think Claire, come Nikki and sit uh, sit here. Yeah, we can give them a clap as they come in. <laughs> come on, doesn't really matter, no. Uh, We've got the mics, even though perhaps it's not fully necessary, but we do, uh, you know, podcast all of this, so it's better with the mic. Hi. Um, I I know not everybody here, but many people. Uh, What I generally do, uh, I'm Jean Sherman, for those people who don't know me, is I just give you a little sense of the context into which this talk fits, um you know, SCAF, the Sherman Contemporary Art, Art Foundation, is in its eighth year now. So, we, uh, at the end of this year, we will have done eight uh, years. We started with Our Way Way in 2008 and uh, this show actually has, Go East, a show across two sites, has a new Ai Weiwei commission that I think is probably, together with Chinese Bible, uh, the two most important works that have ever come into our collection by far. So um, I do think, uh, you know, if you can get to the Art Gallery of New South Wales, it's on until the end of July. Please go and there's a wonderful catalogue. Sophie, you were going to give me a catalogue just to hold up oh yeah Claire's got it a wonderful catalogue this is the Go East catalogue which encompasses the whole show including Chinese Bible and then separately there is a Chinese Bible uh, standalone catalogue and separately again there is a Jitish Kalat which is the monumental work at the Art Gallery of New South Wales there's a separate catalogue for uh, that as well. So, there are three catalogues. We've gone a little crazy, but I'm so excited about having uh, parts of this very uh, long-standing uh, collection being put on display at a public museum, and the quality of the works, at least for, it's up to you to judge from your end, uh, on exhibition in a way that's not been done before, that we've all gone a bit um, mad with the Opulence and the uh, scope of the catalogues. They're writers from all over the world, most beautiful visuals that have been taken by Jenny Carter, who's the official photographer at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. She's really done a very special job, I think. Claire thinks that some of the Chinese Bible are too bright, the images. I have now uh, agreed with her and I now disagree with her. So you will have to decide for yourselves. But um, there is something really luxurious about the catalogue, which if looked at in a certain way, the Chinese Bible images, you would think the austerity of the subject and the bling, if you like, of the images perhaps doesn't go as well together as some people might like. But I think you draw people in with a bit of glamour and then you tell them the hard stories. That's my my policy in life. Um, Because if you start off too depressed, then they don't come near you. So, that's anyway so uh, we do for scaf four uh, projects a year uh, we always uh, attach a culture and ideas um, program to the projects uh, many of you are long-standing supporters of our cultural ideas and our projects and uh, we used to when scaf started have Margaret throsby running um, the uh, three uh, three or four she used to speak she would have been today speaking to Claire for example and we had Caroline Bohm, good God, who um, <laughs> curated a writer's. Um uh, a series of conversations and then I did one uh, for every show, for every project. Margaret uh, decided she wanted to pull back a little because she had been going since 1969. Caroline got a job, um, well, she's very busy at the Writers' Festival, isn't she, Nikki And more and more has taken on Writers' Festivals uh, all over the world and she's also uh, directing an online uh, book, a publishing company called Booktopia. So she fell by the wayside. And so we are curating it now out of SCAF rather than sort of handing it over to these two women and only partly curating it out of SCAF. And um, we have uh, joined up over the years, and this has always been the case, even when Margaret and Caroline were here working with us, we joined up with the Writers' Festival. And with the Writers' Festival, <coughs> we uh, do uh, we sponsor, uh, uh, put a, a little money in, a modest amount, but uh, it's one of my um, very important cultural areas is literature and writing. You can even see it in the show. And Emil, a disclaimer, my son is on the board of the Writers' Festival now. So we've got ever more linked to the Writers' Festival. And... um this year, we've got two sessions. Normally, we do one, two sessions uh, in partnership with the Writers' Festival. One, we had uh, Jinran uh, on Thursday night, very special, very human, very moving kind of account of women in China and of the one child that uh, they were forced to have since the, la- the late 70s, early 80s, and what's happened to those children as they've grown older now, how entitled they they feel with uh, four grandparents and two parents just focusing on this one little boy, more important, or girl, less important, Um in, in in a cultural sense not in a real sense obviously so uh, so to, this is how this fits in and then Claire and uh, Nikki Anderson uh, who was appointed by the Writers Festival Nikki to um, have a conversation with Claire Claire a Chinese Bible is part of go East there we have nine hundred works in our collection three hundred of which are Asian and Asian uh, means to us. Uh, you know, Asia as we understand it, the Asia Pacific, but also the Middle East. So, sohania was given the full 300 works to choose from and she chose Chinese Bible for here and the other uh, 20 eight or 29 works for the Art Gallery of New South Wales. She had completely free range. I didn't interfere. I tried to interfere but she wouldn't really let me and so I decided it was her call and uh, then we had uh, her as the curator really for the Art Gallery of New South Wales side but we needed an expert uh, for Chinese Bible because it is such a monumentally layered work, historically layered um, layered uh, into of the history of art uh, with so much, we could probably just spend, I don't know, three days on Chinese Bible alone and not even scratch the surface. So, Honey and I were on the Radio National yesterday. We had half an hour and we thought that was, you know, decent amount of time. Well, after 25 minutes, we felt as though we hadn't said the first second sentence of what we wanted to say. There's so much to be um, talked about in the whole show, but Chinese Bible is what we're going to talk about today. So here's Nikki, who's going to introduce herself and introduce Claire. Oh, Thanks, Nikki. Thank
1: you, Jane. That's a wonderful overview of um, of what you do here and also the the lovely collaborations that you're fostering. And I know Sydney Writers Festival are very pleased to have you as a partner. Um, So, yes, my name is Nikki Anderson. I am a freelance literary consultant um, and I organise an annual Writers' Week for the Australian Embassy in Beijing. So, that is my... Connection to all of this, but um, more importantly, <laughs> um, curator extraordinaire Claire Roberts um, is an art historian um, of Chinese art and a curator. She's senior lecturer of art history at the University of Adelaide, a visiting fellow at the Australian Centre on China in the World at ANU, and she's published widely on China um, art and visual, Chinese. Art and Visual Culture curated many exhibitions published a number of books one of which um, photography in china is for sale um, upstairs and we and might it's
0: just for sale, too, yeah, And
1: to great and yeah we and were unsure so the beautiful sumptuous slightly over the top mad <laughs> exhibition we can't really call them exhibition catalogues can we i mean they're far too beautiful but they're also on sale as well so um, Thanks, Nick. I can probably almost get away with it. Um, I should also say, please turn your mobiles to silent if you haven't already done, but feel free to tweet if you do tweet. And um, Sydney Writers Festival are using the hashtag Sydney Writers Festival. And Sherman's Twitter handle is ShermanSCF. So if you feel like documenting things in this way, it's not a diary, but... So S C A F, excellent. So Sherman S C A F, thank you. Um, so most of you will have had a chance to look upstairs and 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 have a have a look at the diaries already. So three thousand diaries and notebooks collected over three years, three months of washing. That that statistic stays in my mind. The cleansing um, and. Containing five decades of history of china, so it's it's quite an achievement um, it's an installation, it's performance art, it's a historical artifact, an archive even I'm just wondering, Claire, how do you encapsulate it, or perhaps how do you explain it to people for the first time?
2: Well, I mean, I guess we've decided to well. I mean, I want to start by saying that it was Jean who decided that this work was going to be at SCAF. <laughs> um, and, you know, being one of her um, favourite acquisitions and a recent acquisition, it was one that she felt very strongly about. It connects in so many ways with Jean's own personal interests in terms of writing, um, an idea of kind of literature, of um, personal expression... Of history, of um, art, um, and conceptual art in particular. So I guess um, you know, in a way, you could say, well, why does this work need a curator? Um, because it is a single work in a in a in a contemporary art foundation. Um, but I guess the the challenge really. Um, has been how to not only display it um, and of course Yang Chao. we've worked very closely with him and um, there's a lot of work that happens behind the scenes in order to present it in a way that the public will kind of find you know, find it most accessible so there's been a very close collaboration not only with Yang Chao but also with Michael Moran who's a wonderful um, member of the SCAF team and works uh, very closely with the artist on the installation so um, um, we drew very kind of uh, heavily on earlier um, documentary photographs. You'll see some um, in this beautiful catalogue, um, and it was first displayed in the China Art Archives warehouse in, in Beijing in in two thousand and nine which um, is, uh, you know, one of um, Ai Weiwei's kind of, um, you know, sites. Um, It was displayed there as a mass, you know, as a grid of diaries um, where you are confronted not only by the individual diaries but them them as a kind of massive unit. And so numbers are important. Um, Of course, it's the kind of installation that can fit to any space because it's made up of individual units so when it's been displayed in Hong Kong, you know, you'll see some installation shots of the books piled up um, or you know, displayed on the wall. So it can take on in any environment. Um, but we wanted it to be, um, to have a great impact when people um, came in. I mean, I guess the, the number of the diaries allude to the size of China young child capped it at three thousand, you know, which he felt was kind of far enough. Um, but you know, the, the real challenge for us was how to make the content accessible. Um, we can see the covers, um, but how do we access the content? Because this is the first time that the work has been displayed in a non-Chinese-speaking audience. So, how do we? Um, allow people to engage with that so I mean many of you will have seen that there are some iPads at the back of the gallery space we've scanned a number of pages and we've done some translations of some of the diaries so that people can read some of those entries and understand the texture of people's lives and I guess in one of the interviews um, that Yang Jichao gave, he said that uh, when he was asked about how he felt about this work being outside of a Chinese cultural context and how, how would people interact with it, he said, well, I mean, it's, it's clear when people look at the, the surface of the diaries, even if they can't understand what's written on the, on the surface, on the covers of those diaries, they can sense this idea of time, Um, of the passage of time and there's this great patina that many of the diaries have had or have you know they've been you know used carried um, then discarded then scrubbed washed cleansed transformed into a conceptual artwork which Yangtze Chow calls a performance installation Um, so I guess you know we wanted there to be an impact of the single artwork and then for people to then drawn in and look at the covers a lot of them have beautiful designs that are very evocative of the period of the 50s of the 60s the Cultural evolution of the kind of period when China um, reopened to the outside world in the late 70s the 80s and the 90s through the changes in typography the changes in materials so I guess that sense of time you know we hoped that people from no matter what their cultural background, would be able to kind of get a sense of and then from there kind of go further.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of entry points, either, you know, whether you have a lot of knowledge of China or no knowledge, but I think, like you said, it's that mass that really gets you straight away and then I think you start imagining um, the stories within um, the details and then, yeah, the nice sort of snippets that you can see, um, yeah, really really bring home that these are individual people's stories and i think that's really what yang shihao wanted mm. to do mm. didn't he it was to to say well history has been written in one way but
2: actually there are all these individual voices mm. and that's what he's trying to give voice mm. to Yes, well, I think he, uh, when he first came across um, some of these diaries in the Panjiayuan market, I don't know how many of you have been to Beijing, but it's an absolute treasure trove. You can buy almost anything there from ephemera right through to antiques. And, um, you know, he's always loved books and, you know, he just picked up one of these diaries one day and opened them, opened it and started reading, you know, and really kind of was amazed by, you know, the insight that that Gave him to other people's lives. How personal that was in a in a kind of structured um, sense. It was. It's a handwritten account of the period on the page, but but one that's then been discarded. These are all things. These are all very personal. Or and by personal, I guess, I mean something that a person has carried with them for a period of time. Um, it was meaningful um, in a in a particular sense to their lives, and then they've either the person's either died or they've decided that this item is no longer relevant to their lives, and so they've thrown it out, thrown it away,
1: and they've entered up the market because.
2: Well, look, n- very little is wasted in China. There's a use for everything, and at the very least, you know, paper is worth money. Um, and you know Yang Jichao, when he was here he was here for a two week period for the installation and did um, quite a number of interviews some of you may have heard them Um, but he said that um, you know the dealers um, the traders at the market very quickly um, got smart you know were smart about his interest you know as they do for anyone expressing interest in anything so for the first few diaries you know he bought they were like I don't know one yuan you know um, Twenty cents, fifty cents, the next time he went back um, you know they were kind of a couple of dollars and and then then they began to be sorted into uh ones that had really good covers that were more expensive ones that were in poor condition that were fairly cheap ones that had good content so the you know they started reading the diaries and assessing their content whether he was going to be yeah curating them yeah exactly and so in the end I think you know some of them he said you know um fifty dollars or a hundred dollars and now and now he can't really afford them and luckily kind of he's moved on (laughs) well
1: <laughs> Possibly just as well, because it would be so expansive. Um, so I guess he was ending up buying them in job lots, wasn't he? I mean, they were really bundling. He them. Um,
2: yeah, no, there are photographs um, in the catalogue um, of him with his kind of, you know, wheelie cart, uh, you know, or big bags, you know, just buying job lots. You know, yeah. he didn't really... He just bought whatever, um, I guess, was affordable and available. I um, mean, he he didn't select them. You know, he he consciously didn't curate the curate the kind of um the collection in that way he just bought whatever came across yeah he came so across
1: he, he didn't necessarily care whether the covers were were pretty or in good condition or it was
2: not really i think we can see that you know the, the diaries are in varying kinds of conditions but he did say that some was just in such bad condition or were moldy or had obviously been wet or you know, and and those that that would not have any display use or would be problematic, he didn't buy. But other than that, he bought he purchased mm-hmm. what what was offered. Yeah,
1: um, and they're not diaries in that sort of Western our understanding or Western understanding of dear diary, are they? I mean, they're you know they they can often be. I mean, a lot of them are workers' diaries, and they've got sort of details and
2: statistics and things. Can you
1: talk us through the
2: the range there? Yes, I mean, we have a particular understanding of what a diary means, and it's something that's very private, and we pour our heart out to our diary. It's kind of a friend. Um, And I guess, you know, these books were, in a way, that, or um, at some points in history, they did have that function, but I think, you know, we have to understand that these diaries, and and they're not all diaries. Some are notebooks, they're workbooks, um, you know, they, they have different kinds of notations in them. Um, but they, they record a person's response to life at, at, a, at a particular time. Um, you know, we have to think of these uh, documents as being created at particular Historical and political moments in time, um, and so um, there is one diary um, uh, in the collection that's quite early. Um, you know, they range from 1949 to 1999. Um, there's one in particular that's dated 1951. Um, so quite early. Um, it's a very small diary, very modest di- diary. Was owned by an official in the Ministry of Culture. Um, it was issued to be used from you know throughout 1951, and in the first the first page you know it has uh, his to fill in all of his details you know his position his name, his age personal details. Second page the rules of keeping a diary, you know which which are very carefully you know spelled out. Um, that you must keep a diary that you must um, not tear a- out any pages, you must record you know, the date um, you know, and the time of of, of the entries um, you must keep it with you all the time it must not fall into anyone 's hands, um, and at the completion of your period of work, you must hand the diary in so you know, it is part of a um, political structure. And you know, Yang Jichao, you know, himself mentioned, you know, the fact that it was common practice for diaries. You know, people were expected to keep diaries um, at certain times, you know, particularly during the Cultural Revolution and the um, early fifties, as a way of um, recording, you know, people's thought processes. Uh, And these were had to be submitted for people to be, um, you know, to be assessed and and looked at um, in terms of whether or not, you know, there were any kind of ideological problems mm.
1: so in fact quite the opposite of the um quite the opposite the very personal mm. dear diary
2: mm. that we mm. well private. perhaps at this point I could mm. I mean there is a dear diary um or dear diary and I mean is this is, a yeah. you know I just thought i um, just to bring them to life um and this is one you've got this little kind of section in the middle of the book with some translations um On this uh, book and exhibition, I've worked very closely with Sang Ye, who's one of the pioneers of oral history um, in China. He wrote, um, together with Zhang Xingxin, a very important... The first oral history, um, uh, you know, contemporary oral history published in China called uh, Beijing Ren, or in English, Chinese Lives. Um, And he lives and works um, in Australia these days. And so with his knowledge of... um, uh, Chinese history and oral history in particular. He was the perfect collaborator. So he and I spent um, a lot of time sitting on the floor going through all of the diaries just trying to work out how we would make sense of them for, for you all. Um, and so we had a division of labour you know in terms of the essay I would focus on the covers you know from a graphic design and communication point of view and he would deal with the internal contents so he selected a number of diaries um and passages for translation um that he thought would um provide something of an overview so I just wanted to read one of the entries um and uh So some of the diary pages, the first pages, have been ripped out, so we don't know who they belong to, um, and the dates are hard to identify. But in some cases, there is a name. So in this diary, we do know that the diary belonged to um, a person called uh, Hui Ying, and he was an engineer, Um, and the date is um, August 1965. So um, just before the kind of formal beginning of the Cultural Revolution... And so he writes, and I quote My dearest party, being a youth who grew up under the cultivation of the party and receiving education and care from the Communist Youth League for the past nine years has allowed me to understand quite a bit of revolutionary reasoning. Now I am applying to you for the third time to request entry into the Communist Party of China. Based on the various standards of the party, there are many aspects where I still fall far short. When comparing myself to the vivid image of party members, I feel that my efforts have been far from sufficient. I really want to mould myself into a person made of unique materials and possessing of a unique character. Though I feel that I fall far short of this, I must express my hope to you, my hope that I may be tested in my future practices." So that's there's quite a lot going on in that if we analyse it, you know, in terms of um, you know the politics of the time, the idea of, uh, of diary writing, you know, and the um, I suppose the sincerity kind of of uh, of people in terms of uh, wanting so much to be you know part of the Communist Party and. Um, Trying to measure them, uh, measure themselves, kind of um, to communist party standards as they were perceived.
1: Yeah, and people, you know, being very honest about um, where they are in history as well, and um, and you know, really taking on you know the political correctness and and really assessing themselves and. Um, you know, trying to do the right thing. So in that way, it's a it's a fascinating mix between that, glo- the, you know, the, the gross political that's going on around them but then how it really does impact the individual.
2: Well, I think, um, and, you know, in Ssangye's kind of wonderful and insightful essay, you do get a sense of, um, in most cases, for most, uh, a lot of the periods, you know, that we're talking about... Um, from 49 to 99, uh, with the exception perhaps of, of the latter period, there is a, an idea of the diaries being written with the thought in mind that someone may well read them. You had to be careful.
1: Yeah, and I think, again, that seeing the mass of them, you think, oh, all these, all these individuals um, under that umbrella of... Yeah, of, mm. of watchful eyes mm. and you really mm. get that sense and I think that makes the mass, mm. again, very mm. powerful. Mm. So, on to um, Songye yeah, and your, you know, being mediators of of the work and the art, um, work for an audience. What was sort of utmost in, in both of your minds in terms of how do we make this relevant? How do we make it relevant today but also to an Australian audience?
2: Well, you know, how do, we, how do we get across the language barrier? Um, how do we communicate? Um, you know, because they, you know, we're dealing with quite complex history here. Um, and I suppose uh, young Chow has created this work. Um, you know, perhaps... I, well, I don't know, I didn't ask him whether he'd created it with a particular audience in mind. You know, it's ended up in Australia. Um, you know, we're very fortunate that it's here for us to... Um, and other kind of people throughout the world to consider over a very long period of time, you know, thanks to the generosity of, and foresight of Jean and Brian. Um, so I guess, you know, foremost in, in, in my mind at least, I can't really speak for Sangye, but that is a desire to, um, uh, I don't know, do what we can to make people in Australia more aware of the recent um, cultural and political past in China. You know, I think it's so important. I think it's a tragedy that uh, more people don't... more young people don't um, speak Chinese language. Um, You know, in China, it's a priority for Chinese to learn English... Um, so many people um, in China, if you travel there, speak English, have gone out of their way to engage with Western culture. We, by comparison, are extremely lazy. So I think we we owe it to ourselves to do more, to engage, not only with China, but the whole region. We need to um, not only understand the language, but understand the culture so we can make our informed kind of make informed opinions about the culture and the history. I mean, it's not an, enough to just deal with these significant um, cultural um, changes in a superficial way, which is so often what happens in this country. Um, you know, the level of media reporting uh, with regard to China is so so one-dimensional, you know, that we never get behind black and white politics. And it's a hugely complex story and it's a very human story and I suppose that's one of the um, wonderful aspects I guess of this work is that um, yes you've got the idea of a monolithic authoritarian um, state in terms of the single unit that is the installation but you have got it being composed of individual diaries representing individual voices um, and so, look, I think, you know, we have to do more to engage on a people-to-people kind of basis. Language is at the core and cultural kind of uh, learning and understanding, you know, is really, really important. So, if this, if this installation um, just makes people curious, I, I, I'll be very happy. And I imagine, you know, sang yeah, um, uh, you know, having been born in Beijing, you know, would share those those views. You know, it's disappointing that thirty years on, uh, or forty years on after uh, diplomatic relations, kind of, we're still not in a more sophisticated space. Mm,
1: um, yeah, I'm sure it will, and um, I think it's the, those personal stories and getting that little bit of an insight into real people's lives that often can make sense of the history. I mean, you need that to understand the history, but it, I guess it can also then provoke an interest as well, a deeper. Sort of interest. Um, Going back to the art a bit, and I'm just thinking, perhaps precisely about um, Young Zhichao's practice. Uh, uh, So, you know, we've said that he, you know, has stated. I think it says it in the catalogue and with conversations with you that people need to understand history, Um, and a lot of um, his previous work has been about. Um, getting, elevating marginalized voices can you tell us a little bit about some of his other um, works
2: yeah um, I don't know hands up who, who in the audience not, had heard of Youngja Chow before this before this work Louise, a few people so which works are you familiar with in the back there you know, Ai through Ai Weiwei his work with Ai Weiwei, some of the performance pieces, or? Um, majority related uh, to architecture, um, architecture students. Okay.
0: I'm from Hong Kong. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't heard
2: of much, Claire, only the performance piece hide. Which, which, which yeah. you acquired. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm,
0: mm. Uh, and then it came together with our Wei Wei and high, and I knew I bought that hardwood, work, but I bought
2: it because of Wei Wei mm.
0: not because of him
2: so
0: much mm, mm. because
2: I thought anything I Wei seemed just to, you know, I'm curious about. <laughs> mm, mm, and uh, so he wasn't mm, that well known mm. he was outside of China well, I China well, look, I think he came to prominence, as, as I kind of understand it, uh, really in 2000, yeah. um, at the time of the first um, Shanghai Biennale, and there was a kind of oppositional exhibition that was established in East Link Gallery, which uh, was run by Li Liang, um, who lived in Australia for many years in Sydney, um, um, and that was called in that exhibition was called "Bu the Fung in Chinese or "fuck off" in English. Um, <laughs> and um, in that exhibition, um, uh, Yang Jichao had grasses from the nearby Suzhou Creek. Then very polluted. Now it's been cleaned up. Um, Considerably, um, he had tufts of these grasses implanted in his back in a surgical operation. Um, he had another work done that that same year, two thousand, which what which involved Ai Weiwei, which was having his identification ID number branded, literally branded on his shoulder, the other shoulder. Um, and, so, and then there have been a number of other surgical kind of um, operations that have involved the implantation of different uh, materials inside his body. Uh, earth from the uh, um, kind of sediment from the Yellow, uh, Yellow River, which is near where he grew up. Um, some ash from a forest fire outside of Beijing. And then a, um, a piece of darkness he said, in a vial that was um, inserted um, in his leg. Oh, no, that one was in his stomach um, um, by using infrared or kind of night vision by, by a kind of doctor. And then the hide, which Gene has, um, which is um, an unidentified substance or object contained in a vial that only Ai Weiwei knew, which was implanted um, in Young Charles leg so the idea behind this you think this is quite bizarre but um in a way um his work well and and the third ring road where he 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 kind of um was a beggar for a month Ai Weiwei again was involved in this work determining you know um well kind of structuring the whole program and determining when he could stop being a beggar he just lived as a beggar um in Beijing um, and then another work where uh, called Jia Guan where he checked himself his sister checked himself into a kind of psych- psychiatric institution um, near his home near where he grew up for one month where he lived as a you know as a kind of a crazy person um, you know in in China kind of you know there is a popular sense that you know contemporary artists are crazy people you know that they share something with Probably not just in China. Not, not just in China. So anyway, he kind of played on that. But but basically, you know, the thread that runs through all these works and connects to Chinese Bible is this idea of truth, of, of truth-telling. And, you know, you can't get more kind of truthful or, I guess, um, or in the case of these surgical operations of placing your faith in someone, you know, this idea of trust, you know, which might be, you know, is related to truth, um, of him deciding that he would use his body in this way, you know, as the canvas for his art.
1: And also, I mean, I guess the connection, kind of trust in writing down your thoughts yeah. in diaries mm. as well. Yeah. Um, and all of these, all of these various um, artworks or pieces have are sort of multifaceted, aren't they? It's not mm-hmm. just kind of the outcome, it's the process is documented, Others yep. are involved. So,
2: yes, and, and this this kind of comes out of a a, a kind of a, a larger contem- you know the contemporary art movement in China um, where there was a move towards performance art as a way for the artists to control, um, you know the the artwork, the display of the artwork, the timing of it, you know the reception of it. You know, so often these events were held at very short notice in out-of-the-way locations, and you know they didn't have large audiences, but they were documented. So that's why Jean was able to buy a series of three photographs that documented Hyde. It was also uh, uh, that documented that particular procedure. Um, it's also a way of the artist making money because um, you know, being a performance artist, you know, it's fairly ephemeral, um, and so that was another dimension um, as well. So can he as well as? In very canny, very yeah, very canny. Yeah, yeah. And why
1: not? Mm. Um, and do you think he there is more prominence for him now in, in China? I mean, is he seen, where does he sit
2: within, you know? Well, I think the, the planting, the planting so you know, the tufts of grass yeah. in the back, I mean, that's that, you know, his life transformed dramatically after that point. Um, and, look, he's regarded as an important performance artist, um... You know, he's you know he's regarded as one of a group of um, ex, you know artists who do extreme performances, or they did in their youth. Um, his daughter, who was here helping with the installation, said she would not allow her father to do any more extreme performance works. <laughs> She's old enough to exercise some kind of judgment, and I, I think you know that that kind of phase of his practice is perhaps over you know and and China continues to evolve there's quite a close relationship between the practice and and the cultural environment as well you know artists are very as you say canny nimble um move with the times and um and so that that's a big part of of, of their practice as well having said that you know uh young joe continues to all of these implants are still in his body you know they will be in his body until he dies so in in a way that is an ongoing kind of aspect and dimension um of the artworks and i guess you could say an expression of his you know sincerity of approach you yeah really using himself as a canvas. Mm. I mean it's kind Mm. of almost the ultimate Mm.
1: expression of art, Mm. isn't it? Mm. Um and just I think I might we'll leave some questions. Yeah, Yeah. quick question and then we'll throw to Mm. questions. But I'm just just coming back to your I mean special interest in the visual and the aesthetic and um just thinking about those covers spread out, that beautiful tapestry um of life and art. some very quick thoughts on how you can see the
2: transformation of history and the transformation of China when you look at the covers. Well I think, I mean for all of us who stand in front of that amazing installation, the overwhelming colour is red. Um, it was fascinating seeing I Wei, um, Weiwei, sorry. <laughs> fascinating seeing Yang Jichao install the work because it was, um, you you probably noticed, you know he, the um, the larger diaries and notebooks are at the at the end of the gallery, and gradually they get smaller. That's in order to, you know, maintain a grid and you know, you know, sense of these lines, clear lines going through the installation. Um, when he got to the end, um, and you'll see the, you know, they are numbered individually numbered, you know, one to three thousand. They're not arrayed in exactly that order, but in the lower, the end kind of right hand corner, you'll see. 3,000 not too far from the end Um, but at the very end when he'd laid them all out he did spend an hour or two just making final adjustments because he you know ultimately you know there is an aesthetic dimension to any artist's work and so he did want to make sure there were you know there were some very strong hot pinks and um, you know pea greens and so he wanted to create um a kind of line for the eye, um, you know to wander through that that installation, so that was quite interesting to see to see him make those um, you know final adjustments. Um, in terms of the covers, I guess um, Look, I, uh, you know, the the 1950s covers are just remarkable to me. Um, you know, that that's that transitional cultural period. A lot of imagery, a lot of, um, you know, the, the best artists in China, or some of the best artists in China, were were designing. You know. Things like book covers, functional items, so there's great creativity. You know, a way. You know, sense of um, bringing together old motifs and new. You know, for this new revolutionary cause. You know, great passion, great commitment, and great um, ingenuity. So they're they're kind of more, the more muted colors. I mean, and there, there is a greater diversity of color. Um, but then you get to the 1960s and 70s cultural revolution period, and they're pretty much all red and all plastic and they've got gold lettering and they're pretty formulaic I mean there is you know there is a there's no mood for experimentation that dies and then you get to the late 1970s and 80s and 90s and the zaniness kind of appears again through kind of hot pink pea green lemon yellow um, um, synthetic silk padded covers lenticular insets um all sorts of things um you know so you get that, that sense of kind of dynamism and interest and, and and creativity coming back again. So there is this whole kind of arc of history that's very poignant, I think, for any anyone who's lived in China, you know, uh, during any of that period, can't help but feel immediately transported back to those moments when they see, you know, the imagery. You know, it's quite moving and I think very challenging for some, for some people. Um, just to give you one example, you know... Uh, when we were in the middle of installation, you know, we got a taxi ride um, and it happened to be a Chinese taxi driver we were going to Chinatown and, you know, I, I always say, you know, you know, where's the best Chinese restaurant? They always say Golden Century. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, of course, that's what he said. There was a huge queue and we couldn't get in. But anyway, we, he said, oh, you know, what do you do to Yang Chow? And he said, I, you know, I'm an artist and... Um, what sort of art and so we you know he explained the installation anyway it was it was remarkable in almost immediately you know we said oh you should come and have a look and he said I have no no desire to have a look um, I lived through that period I'm the only person from my family who survived the cultural revolution um, it would make me cry if I went there so you know there is um, you know th- th- there is a, um, a great sense of um, real emotion that I think um just the covers alone, without kind of reading any of the texts, will kind of um, stir up in people who have um, had experience, you know, of living during that period. You know, it's that it, it, it's it's been the most extraordinary. You know, China for the last um, you know 150 years has had the most kind of. Turbulent and kind of dramatic history, um, you know, and it's very real for people. And you know, for us, uh, you know, we have to do spend more time to understand that specific history and what it has meant for individuals. Oh, brilliant, Claire. Um, I, think I think we should
1: for the questions as
0: well. Wonderful. You, because I know so many
1: people. Great. Yeah. And so, do we want um, to use a mic yes. for questions? Yes, Sorry,
0: you've got it. Is this on this mark? Yep. Can you hear me go? Um, let's go. Mm? See yes. who wants to ask a question. <coughs> there's Mary.
1: Hi Claire. I've got look, I've got a formalist
2: question. Yes.
1: Um, just when you were talking about the aesthetic of that, mm. and I noticed there's two blue bars that come in from either side about a quarter of the way up and it was it's not so prominent in the layout. That's in the gallery, as in the, one of the photographs mm. in the catalogue. Mm. I was just curious about that. Do, do they mean any? Was there anything done, or did he just like the blue there? But the blue, out of all the red, you know, mm-hmm. stands out. Is there
2: meaning in that? Yeah. Look, I don't. I think again, it's quite random. You know, when looking at uh, Yang chao and his daughter <laughs> um, preparing the, the, you know, the notebooks for installation you know we we just got all you know they were in a fairly random order anyway they were all got out of the boxes put on the table they were sorted into sizes in a fairly kind of pragmatic way Um, and then they were just put in piles and Yangtze Chow didn't really change the order once they were in their piles he just laid them out now, some of those um, particular diaries, I can't remember what the blue ones are.
0: It's a strand of
2: blue. But, um, it's anyway, kind we kind
0: c- patches of blue. We, we can have a yes. look.
2: But they, they are all from, you know, there is another group of red-covered, deep red-covered ones, which are all notebooks from the Geological kind of Research Institute. Um, and so I think the blue ones are another job lot that he got which are notebooks from a particular Chinese kind of work unit and so he probably just laid them all out because they were all the same size um but you know every installation is different um and so I guess it just depends on how he feels is and whether every installation
0: it, and, different yeah, yeah
2: of course yeah I thought that you know he had it marked out well, look, no, well, basically, you know, the principle is yes. according to size, starting yeah. with the biggest and going to the smallest. But, um, you know, he didn't want to go from one to 3,000 in that order. No. Um, it was random, but within that, you know, only random within each size group. And so they were just laid out kind of as they came to him. I mean, that's really the only way you could. Otherwise, well, I mean, they'd have to be stored in a particular way, which the art gallery might choose to do. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, it's a fairly kind of random process until that f- the end.
1: And based as much on the space Sa- and the size. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Yes, look... Um, you know, uh, SCAF sent the dimensions of the space to Ji Chao. You know, we hoped it would all be able to fit in one, one grid. At one point, we thought it, some might have to go up the wall, um, but then it looked as though the space was um, going to be sufficient. And then, um, you know, we... When, when they arrived, they, he just went to it.
0: And I saw it uh, in Hong Kong, which is when we acquired this wonderful piece. And most of it was up the wall. It was just well, so that was entire,
2: a tiny, a tiny space, a, a tiny yeah.
0: space. And I got the feeling that they were actually laying on the floor because I saw it. The gallery had like a balcony like this, and I saw it went up the stairs, just like you would do here, and looked down on it. So we got the feeling that it was laying. Directly mm. on the floor, but Claire says it wasn't. There was a plinth.
2: And well, as far as, in, as I'm as far aware, as it's always been, know, been a plinth, well, and I, I think can't yeah. For
0: sure, my mm. memory isn't clear mm. enough. I think so. But um, certainly, there was a small patch on the floor, and then there were piles of these diaries in mm. you know around, leaning against the wall.
2: Because I think he wants the diaries to be accessible, sort of almost at table height. You know, so this was the lowest. You know, we wanted to... Gene was keen for people to because be because have some kind of aerial myself, view. Yeah. So this was the lowest he, he would agree to. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, that sense of proximity so that, you know, you felt a connection with them as books, you know, in terms of reading them. Yeah, it mm. sort of makes sense to have them at table height, doesn't mm-hmm.
0: it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we, I have allowed people to touch them, Nicky. We give them gloves. We don't put a... Um, notice there, because we don't want an avalanche of people. But if, if people do want to open a diary, mm. and of course there are many people in our community who can read them, not that many, but enough, they come into the office, we give them gloves, and they can. Once, you know, the work is being donated to the Art Gallery of New South Wales, so once it goes in there, eventually no one will touch it again. We're very spoiled, aren't and, we? And we yeah. Well, Claire was very... Keen, uh, that whilst it was out of a
2: public museum, <laughs> if people really wanted to touch it, they could. Well, I think in the... Just very briefly, because I want to yeah, leave time questions. for questions. But it, when it was first displayed in Beijing... Um, in In the warehouse, the China art archive warehouse, people could look at them they could and it. so it was felt you know young Chao did want this work to go into a public institution, but we felt you know we had a bit of freedom I kind of having worked in a public institution most of my life, you know, and I think you know they 're great, but I just think um, and I respect the need to preserve <laughs> objects, but I thought it would be nice for this because it is so. Connected to people, and you know, they're meant to be read. That this would be its last, its the last, last opportunity. opportunity
0: for people to open the diaries yeah. themselves. I
2: mean, That's of right. course, researchers will be able to, yes. you know, access the diaries through, you know, appropriate channels. And so, it's not as if the covers will never be opened again, but they will be under more strict supervisory conditions.
0: There's a question yeah. here. Yeah, take oh, sorry. So yes, David. So it won't be recorded then. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: So when it goes from here and it gets to the gallery, yeah. what's the protocol for if they display it at the gallery again in you know five years time or whatever about the way that it will be presented then? Well, look, I guess I can't speak for the um, Art Gallery of New South Wales curators, but um, I would imagine that you know as a contemporary artwork, um, they will once it enters their collection, they will make contact with Yang Chow and they will. Um, arrive at an understanding of how the work should be installed in the future. Um, and young child might say that whenever it is displayed, he wants to be here uh, with his daughter or his wife, you know, to install it, or he may provide instructions for them to install it. I mean, that's really up to the curators. Um, but, Claire, to he'd have
0: to provide instructions at some point because yeah. he won't be with us no. forever. No. of so course. And so it's the yeah. norm. They yeah. have to, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. until he can no longer yeah. do it, yeah. there has to be a manual yeah. that yeah. says A, B yeah. and C. That's right. Come on, guys, there's so many questions here. Oh, there's one there. Um, I have
1: a question about the the video of the washing. Um, Is that consistently part of the work when it's displayed in different contexts? And does the artist consider that to be adjunct to the installation or part of it? Because it seems like that would relate to the the performative action aspect of the work. Or I'm wondering if that's just something that's been displayed in in this
2: instance. No, it's a good question. And I didn't really elaborate on it as a performance installation. But look, this is um, the first time that the video has been displayed with the work. I understand um, it wasn't displayed in Beijing and in any of the I other venues, come, and it right. just seemed to me in the conversations with uh, Yang Chao that it was such a crucial element um, because, as a performance installation, Yang Chao being a performance artist, time being very important to all of his, uh, in, you know, works, and this in particular, you know, the collecting of the books, you know, the numbering of, or the washing of the books. Um, that transformation of them, not only washing the surface grime but that idea of cleansing them and um, transforming them into a conceptual artwork, the numbering of them, you know the handling of them, and then the displaying of them, the redisplaying of them, the pre- representing history you know as a conceptual artwork um, they are all crucial elements of, of the work. Um, so look, I, I hope from now on it will be an integral part of the display um, because it is central to the conceptual kind of underpinnings of the work. Mm.
0: That was Claire's, Claire's idea, in mm-hmm. short, mm-hmm. and a very well, good mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on, guys. Nick, can you shout or no? no, no I I we'd like that we like
2: to record.
1: Can it. you just say something about the title of the work, Chinese Bible? <laughs> What's
2: that about? Um, yes, Yang Chao was often asked this question because it is a perplexing um, title, an unusual title. Um, and, I mean, basically he said that, I mean, it's, and it's a provocation. Um, he said it was to allude to the adulation, you know, of a figure like Mao Zedong um, in Chinese culture um he um you know the the kind of almost godlike kind of um or holy kind of reverence with which which he has been treated um you know a bible is a canonical kind of work or a classic work as well as being a religious text so i think there is that kind of um element as well but also there's an implied kind of critique um, of, of of recent Chinese history um, as well, um, in using that title. So I think it's op- operating on uh, a number of different levels um, simultaneously. But I think it it um, you know it you know it. The Chinese title, Zhongguo Shangjing, you know, it's also, um, you know, like the book of, um, you know, Chinese revelation, you know, or the Bible, you know, as revel- as a revelation, and so a play on that idea of revelation as well. I think is kind of, you know, implicit in the work. There's no Bible in China, though. Not, a, I mean, the religion doesn't have a have a Bible per se. Well, really? you know, there are. I mean, there's. Uh, In my essay, Jean, there is a... Well, no, I mean, huge numbers of Bibles are printed in China. China, There are huge numbers of Christians in China. If you believe um, the Financial Times, there are more Christians in China than Communist Party members. Um, Bibles are printed there and distributed throughout China. Um, You know, and this is a cooperative kind of... um, industry working with the government um b- approved bibles are printed there and distributed all over the, you know the chinese-speaking world so you know there there are chinese bibles and in fact if you go on the website the chinese you know, amity press you know some of the some of the bibles look as though they could be in young joe installation <laughs> you know the covers are just perfect um hot pink and with zip you know zip kind of zip up things Anyway, so look, I think, you know, there are many kind of points of connection for, you know, that that title. And, you know, and it is a very, you know, it makes us think, it makes us ask questions because it's not, you know, when we think of Chinese Bible, we don't think of the Bible in, a, in, a, in the context of China. You know, but um, it's there to be unpacked. Mm. I think room for two more?
1: Anyone else? Yeah.
2: I kind of... I
0: kind of have two questions. Uh, the first one is uh, regarding how he started the project. As I read briefly from your catalogue, says that he just kind of started naturally and ended with a natural 3,000 books. Um, the second would be uh, also from your catalogue, it says there are four categories that he divided into. What, education, the largest being the uh, politics, I remember. And I'm just wondering if there is some absurd categories or secretly that he kept for himself as a private collection that would be a kind of outlier from the collection itself
2: um, look he the work did begin randomly um, you know he just he, he, he frequent he loves books he frequents markets Um to, you know, as a lot of people do in China, you know in China, uh, something to do on the weekend, um, and it's amazing what turns up at those markets. So, look, he did start buying um, the, on on the first occasion. He didn't buy one; he bought you know like six or something. I can't remember the number. Uh, took them home, and then he didn't have an idea of an artwork in mind. Um, but he kept on going back to the markets, buying more and more and more, um, and then decided that um, you know it was a serious habit of his and that it was forming into something um and so over time you know it became uh Chinese Bible he did have a number of conversations with close friends artist friends including Ai Weiwei um you know just sharing the idea a lot of um contemporary Chinese artists work in a kind of collective way there's a um uh, a sense of a close community of of other artists, and they share ideas. And so, you know, I think there was a certain amount of workshopping that happened. You know, and and a discussion of whether this, you know, would fly as a, an artwork. Um, so I think that was part of the process um, as well. In terms of whether he's kept any. Um, Look, I don't think, uh, don't think he started with the idea of kind of 3,000 in mind, but he just decided that he had to stop somewhere and 3,000 seemed about, um, you know, it's quite a large number and where he would stop. Um, he he said he, um, he was asked whether he conti- has to continue to collect and he said not really, although if he is at the market and there is something very special um, that's presented to him, he will consider it. But... Um, he doesn't see it as being, uh, as him starting a new Chinese Bible. Um, this work is over. Uh, it's finished um, and there won't be another one. Um, but, you know, he's interested, you know, in the lives of kind of people in the past and Chinese history. And so he might continue to collect for, for other reasons. Um, you know, his, his works have a long kind of gestation kind of period. And, you know, he is. He has got a large collection of um, slides. You know, uh, in the early days, kind of before, you know, films and news newsreels were really popular. Um, a lot of kind of information, and particularly, you know, political information, was was conveyed through these slideshows, traveling kind of uh, projectionists, and so, and a lot of, a lot of images and some slogans. Um, but he's got a huge collection of those, and so. You know, when he was here, he you know we talked a bit about you know that work and what form it might take. You know, he's still canvassing kind of people's you know ideas and responses, and that's all feeding into how he might um, present that work as well. So that that has a similarity, you know, to this work. And the final thing I'll say, um, which I'll share with you, which kind of he hasn't. I didn't put it in the catalogue because it it just didn't seem. It didn't seem to have a place, but, you know, the, the span of the diary kind of writing period, he said, was 49 to 99. Um, but in fact, when Sangye and I were going through the diaries, we found one dating from 1947, November 1947. So there is um, an odd man out. Um, but, and so I drew that to his attention, and he looked at it very carefully, um, but it is still written by someone who was very much of the Communist Party mould. Um, you know, Communist Party member. Um, all of the kind of language and rhetoric was, you know, was already, um, you know, part of that, um, you know, new revolutionary mindset. And of course, you know, the Communist Party in China was established in 1921. Um, it took them, you know, a very long time to come to power across the nation. But you know, so so that 1947 diary does fit into the whole. 50-year period very nicely, but actually sits just outside that strict 50-year period. Got him on a technicality. There was one more.
1: I was just a simple observation. Right on the, I think it was the left-hand top corner. There seems to be a very odd-looking three times yeah. the size book. So I'm just wondering, is there some secret uncommunistic <laughs> a, 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 a communistic idea of some... Uh, it makes me think of Oscar Wilde's uh, monotony of type, if you know what I mean. So there's something extremely different in that one.
2: No, a lot of people have commented on that. Actually, um, you know, it's basically the preparatory notes for a, um, a kind of Chinese teacher... So, um, you know, there were very few photocopiers in China um, then and people used to handwrite out sometimes whole novels and circulate them because, you know, if you wanted to read a book and some of the popular kind of translations that came out, you know, that was the only way you could, you know, well, it's a way you could win friends, but it was the only way you could read a book by copying, you know, or passing it on by copying it out. Um, So... So too, with textbooks they were there were so few and far between that if you got hold of a textbook, kind of you would then have to copy out any passages you know there were cameras were very kind of expensive, film was very expensive there were no photocopiers, and so people did copy huge slabs of things so that is all you know it's like a you know a teacher's kind of notes, notes? Le- lesson notes, for notes for yeah that's right yeah. Know. Yeah. That you would so, th- so that is a kind of, yes, that, that's an indication of the, the other kinds of, of notebooks that, that comprise this collection. Mm. I think we'll have oh, one more. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> just, just a
0: curiosity. Just a curiosity. You were talking about his daughter coming and helping mm-hmm. him. So, I had two questions. One, is she one of the only children of that generation, like a one child, Mm. and also does she have an artistic practice Mm. in Mm. her own right? Mm. No, that's
2: a good question. Um, Yes, she is their only child, he and his wife. Um, His wife was going to come um, out and help him. His wife is a um, silent partner um, in many of his works, as is the case for a lot of Chinese artists. you know, it is her hands um, washing and scouring <laughs> the covers of those diaries. Um, Young Jicha was filming it. Um, she played a big role in washing and numbering each of those 3,000 diaries. Um, but at the last minute, she was unwell. And also, I think um, Young Jicha was very keen for Kara. To come to Australia and um, experience Australia and help him, she did help him with the installation of the work in Singapore. Um, she spent two years in America as a um, upper secondary school student, so she, you know she has quite good English and so that was obviously going to be a help to him and it was, um, it was a huge help to us yeah. and to you, no, Claire, no she was, it was Claire fantastic no it was every fantastic uh you know mm. sentence he exchanged mm. so but having j- kara was mm. a blessing no really. it was it was fabulous mm. um but she is also an artist and um she, you know the, when i went to Younger Charles studio um you know there was this extraordinary um kind of fantasy drawing on the wall you know in black and white and it was in the main kind of wa- uh, room you know the kind of vestibule um And um, I was looking at it, and on the two occasions, you know, two consecutive times, I went there for this project, and I thought, God, is that by Yang Jichao? Because Yang Jichao is also a very good drawer. He's fantastic drawer, fantastic cartoonist. You know, so we think of him as a performance artist. Maybe he's resorted to that because he can't paint or can't draw, but that's not the case. Anyway, I plucked up the courage to ask him, and anyway, it was by his daughter. So um, you know, in conversation with his daughter, I mean, he was very—he's very keen for her to study overseas, um, um, and she hasn't made up her mind so yet whether she wants to study in China um, or overseas. But her inclination was to to stay at home, I think. But anyway, so she she had a tour of the art schools yeah, here in she Sydney. Went to
0: three art schools. So and um, she had little yeah. Yeah. sort of reconnaissance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so trips. I think.
2: We may we may see, we may her, see back. her
0: back. I don't know. She was very quiet about her responses. I think we can thank Nikki and Claire. probably gone on all now, Nikki. Thank you all for coming.
1: Yeah, and congratulations to Sherman Are for a wonderful acquisition and don- public donation. That's... Yes, no.
2: And this is a beautiful book, um, Ye's essays in particular, um, but also just for the public record, Jean, I do love the cover. Um, No, I I do think it's a very handsome publication, and um, I do look at the cover and I think of the sunrise, the, the rising sun, and that is so appropriate, the morning sun, you know, in the Chinese context.